0: His name is Craig, and for the next 30 minutes, we're gonna talk Pirates Baseball, uh, which is coming to a close here very soon. And then we're gonna have like this dead period where we're gonna talk an awful lot about things that they could do, but in reality, we're just me waiting for the postseason end. Like other other teams will enjoy a postseason. Other fan bases have so much to look forward to over the next month or so. Pirates fans, not so much, and we're gonna get into a little bit about some overexcitement over some stuff that maybe you shouldn't be too excited about that happened in this past week. But there is something very exciting, Craig, that I want to start the show off with right now. Can you guess what it is? Um, Yoshi? No, 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 no. When Pirates fans don't have anything to cheer for, I give you the fourth, the fourth out of the last five years, the fourth championship championship. In the Dynasty Fantasy Baseball League that I play in along (laughs) with Craig, I have now won four of the last five years in this thing. I'm so dominating that we're going to institute a draft where the lesser teams can steal players off my Dynasty franchise, and one of those lesser teams is you. So you're scouting my roster now, my friend, after I won my fourth
1: title in five years. Yeah, Chris, you just basically invited a bunch of your, your friends and, and, you know, pull your daughter along, who's actually one of the better teams in the league, and, and just dominate <laughs> us this entire time. I mean, I, I, I realize that you've pretty much just brought me in to just, just throw my money away at this point. But you know what? I enjoy it, so I'm going to keep on doing well, it. Well,
0: you love, you love minor leaguers. That's your big problem. You fall in love with minor league baseball players and potential And you fill your team with all of these prospects, but you're not playing for the season that we're actually playing in. You need to make a little bit of a philosophical change. And you're not the only person that focuses on the youth, maybe a little bit too much. I think Pirates fans, because of where we're at in the season, may be focusing a little bit too much on the minor leagues. And there were a bunch of moves here this week where a bunch of guys are going to AAA for like the last 10 days of the season. And people are getting
1: really excited about nothing, huh? Um, that's just kind of where I'm at. I mean, I, it's, it's cool to see the names like O'Neill Cruz, Rodolfo Castro, Roenzi Contreras, you know, Mason Martin, Cal Mitchell, Kanan Smith and Jigba. And then you have a a guy who I kind of liked at one point in time. And I mean, he's a good reliever in Yuri de los Santos and, um, as Voto Bito coming up. But then when I actually like kind of looked, I always go to roster resource. That's like my place to go on fan graphs cuz they have all the depth charts laid out, the 40 man when the rule 5s are coming up and everything. And these were just kind of crisp preemptive moves as to guys that are going to be rule 5 eligible this year for the first time. Or in some cases of like Adela Santos who and Abito who have been Rule 5 eligible previously, but they think enough of them that they are adding them to the AAA roster. And all that really does is it protects them from the minor league portion of the Rule 5 draft. Right, because there's there's a
0: Rule 5 for the majors, a Rule 5 for the minors, and not a lot of guys really get poached off of no. teams. But, you know, there's if, you, if you're not paying attention... And you're not doing your due diligence. Somebody becomes unprotected, and then all of a sudden you lose a guy. And later on, when that guy actually makes it, like that one-in-a-million shot, your fan base rips on you for, like, the next 20, 30 years for letting that guy slip through the cracks, okay? So you have to do all this stuff, and you're right. It's more of a clerical move that these guys are being sent to AAA.
1: Because if they stayed on the AA roster, they would be available in the minor league portion, because it, it go, basically goes to the AAA phase, which the AAA team can basically you know pick anybody that's in levels below them. So, of course, you're going to protect them from the minor league portion. I mean, you're not going to let you know Mason Martin or Cal Mitchell or Smith and Jigba get, get poached and then put on somebody's AAA team. Like, you've, you've invested too much time in those guys already. You already have Odeo Cruz, you have Rodolfo Castro, you have Roenzi Contreras that are on your 40-man. They're already protected, but we're just gonna bump them up because that's where they're probably gonna start the year next year anyway. So let's get, you know, our triple our A roster kinda of lined up because once you said Chris, like once the season actually ends, once we go through this last month of pretty much waiting to see who wins uh the World Series. And I'm a baseball fan, so I'll be watching it. A lot of Pirates fans, I mean, I wouldn't say a lot, but I'll just say many Pirates fans will probably just shut off their TVs, start watching the Steelers. So these moves are something that, I mean, in any other season, this is the latest the AAA season is gone. It doesn't usually run up to this point. There's 10 games left. This means possibly, you know, one major, one uh, AAA start for Rowanzi Contreras. This means possibly a couple of relief appearances for De Los Santos or Beto. And it could mean as many as, I mean, 20 at-bats for some of these guys, or it could mean, you know, some pinch-hitting stuff, which would be like the normal September call-ups that you would see in the major leagues just happening in AAA this year. Um, I don't think that, you know, you're not going to get these big showcases of stuff. And yes, they're one step closer to the major league baseball team, but once again, it's it's triple A. It's you and you still don't know which of these guys are gonna be added, you know, to the forty man roster and still be protected. So a lot of this was just like I said, Chris, this is just a lot of paper moving. And you know what? It's a nice little PR thing when your baseball team is, I don't know, thirty seven or seeing after tonight we might be thirty eight games or thirty six games under, you know, five hundred. These are just the types of moves that happen. And and it's exciting, I guess. But to me, it's just like, when I looked at it, because people were asking me, like, why wasn't G1 Bay brought up? Because he's been playing pretty well. And before the show, Chris, I was like, well, g Bay wasn't brought up because he doesn't become Rule 5 eligible until 2022. And it's not saying he won't start in A next year. It just wasn't a move that was necessary at this point in time.
0: Is there somebody right now that just sticks out to you right now, just because you're talking about Rule Five and you're talking about roster construction, and you're talking about all this, is there somebody right now that you think is going to get added to the 40 man pretty quickly when the offseason begins because they want to make sure they protect him? Is there a glaring guy? Or is it just right now, uh, all these guys are just fringe players and we're just gonna we just gotta fill in the space with whoever we like more than a little bit more than another guy, but it's nothing to get excited about.
1: Um. Well, I mean, Kyle Mitchell is a guy that I've always been into, and and Caden Smith and Jigbuff, He wouldn't have gotten injured down in Altoona, you know. He was having a pretty decent year, and I I think that it kind of gets tough at that point because you know then you got two outfielders, you know, vying for the same spot. So you know, I could see only one of them getting protected. So I think you have to protect at least one of them, and I think that that decision would come like fairly quickly. I don't know about a Mason Martin because of his. You know, K rate problems. He's striking out about thirty four percent of the time in double A. So, would even if you bring him up and you protect him, obviously a team would have taken a shot on him if he was still in in double A and put them him on their A roster to see what they could do. You can't really hide a guy with a bat. I mean, a lot of times you can hide a reliever, but you can't really can't really hide too much of a bench piece.
0: Well, to, to me, I always felt like with Rule Five stuff is that if I were a team. And I'm trying to find somebody that I could use because when they draft somebody for Rule Five, remember they have to keep him on the major league roster the whole year. They don't get to hide him. The guy's got to actually be on the twenty-sixth man and he's got to survive yeah. for like the entire year, right? So that's why I always feel like relief pitchers are the ones that are actual pitchers. Not even if it's a guy who could project to be a starter at some point. If a team sits there and says, Well, we could stick this guy in our bullpen for a year and he could be at least viable enough to come out there and do that. And in the long term, maybe he becomes a starter down the line for us. We just got to get him through that first year. That's far more like possible to me than an offensive player because an offensive player is taking up a very, very small bench. I mean, most teams bring 13 pitchers and 13 players to their major league season in their 26-man roster. And nine players in the American League and eight players that are not pitchers in the National League are going to fill out the starting roster. So you have a very small bench of like four to five guys that that guy's taking up a spot. So I always thought when teams go and grab a guy for the Rule 5 draft and he's not a pitcher, the chances of him being returned later on to that team, I think, are much greater. So I've never panicked too much about guys that are left unprotected unless they're a big name. You know, in a rule th- in a rule five draft, if they're a player, if they're a position player.
1: Well, I think a lot of people, Chris, think about you know Badu or whatever from my from the Tigers this year, who kind of had a breakout uh, towards the beginning, and he was taken in the rule five. But that's really more of the exception to the rule, and not the rule. It's more of like what we did this year, the Pirates did with Luis Oviedo, where he was a projectable starter. Uh, real young guy, hadn't pitched, you know, I think above uh, a ball at that point in time and keep him on the roster for the number of number of days that you have to give him limited innings. He finds a an IL stint here or there, tightness or, you know, just different things like that. And then you're hoping that at some point in time, like he could be shipped back down to Triple A next year to get work back up as a starter or to see, you know, where he can, if, uh, fit in the bullpen, and that's more of like the hiding type thing I'm talking about, but that's a lot easier, like you said, for a relief pitcher. Uh, one guy that uh, I had written about, and it's a very intriguing piece, Diego Castillo was was the other player that we got with uh, Hoy Park uh, to give Clay Holmes to the Yankees, and he's a guy that's actually up against it as far as the uh, minor league free agency goes Uh, once you've reached past six years of the minor leagues, you can pretty much like declare yourself a free agent. If you haven't been added uh, to the 40 man roster. So he's a guy that they, you know, bumped up to triple a prior to these moves who had, you know, come over and he was with uh, the Yankees double a team came over, played for the curve for a little bit. And then they wanted to see what they had with him in triple a, and he's actually been hitting, you know, pretty well in triple a. So, that's a guy that I think it's like five days after the uh the World Series ends that he would have to be extended a minor league uh contract that he would sign he had to be a tender a contract or he'd have to be put on the 40 man and he would have the choice at that point in time uh to to declare free agency if not so that's one where i I think just from what I've seen I would think he would get the 40 man roster spot but that's coming down to You know, he plays a a middle infield position, and the Pirates have a ton of middle infielders. And right now, middle infielders are getting a full-on tryout in the majors right now with Cole Tucker up there and in the lineup almost every day, with Hoy Park up there and in the lineup almost every day, even though, you know, both of them have played some, you know, outfield as well. Uh, And then our boy that we've been talking about, it seems like every week now, Kevin Newman, as to, you know, what he brings. And also a Wilmer Defoe, uh, a guy who had been DFA'd at one point and and was down in AAA and because of injuries and different stuff. And then you still have, you know, Michael Chavis coming back uh, from from an injury here who started his rehab and don't know how much he's going to get in in AAA. But, you know, he's another guy there's going to be a lot of like crazy decisions that have to go on here. And some guys are pushing towards those 40 man spots. Some guys, it seems like they are. And some guys it's easy to determine, you know, this, it's not worth it. It's not going to happen. We tried it out, you know, and with those, with those moves coming up from double A, John Nagowski, the big Nagowski, who was, you know, a fan favorite for about two weeks, was released by the Indianapolis Indians, so he's you know no longer with the Pirates organization. And Kai I, Tom, who was here probably way longer than he needed to be, was, was also released. So I, they're making room, but there's still gonna be more decisions and more room that needs to be made.
0: You know, I get muscle aches all the time. I've gone from being able to do whatever I want to and not feeling any pain to basically getting pain for any kind of physical activity. Good news, there's a local family-owned Southside business that provides a CBD topical that will not break the bank. Creaky Bone Balm offers concentrated relief for creaky bones. It is an effective hemp-based CBD in a rejuvenating balm. And guess what? It's made in small batches, always free of preservatives, and all natural ingredients. It's great for muscle aches, tension, inflammation, joint pain. You can even use it for skin ailments like burns and dry cracked skin. Right now, go to creakybone.com and use the promo code BASEMENT. Get 20% off your order. And now check out the new 2,500 milligram balm with reduced pricing on their classic balms. Right now at creakybone.com. There were five teams with less attendance per game than the Pirates this year. I want to know if you can guess them. Um. Now, one of them is going to be incredibly surprising, and this is the one that I'm going to tell you right now. When you hear it, you're not, it's, it's going to click in your head why. But is it, the,
1: is it the Jays because of the yeah. uh, the COVID restrictions? The
0: Blue Jays averaged only eighty five hundred and two fans this year per game because they were playing in a minor league stadium. They have a payroll of $118.5 million this year, and they are second worst in attendance per game in Major League Baseball. So they're the surprising one because they they couldn't they couldn't play in their ballpark. Like, can you I mean think about it, like like the Pirates cry poor all the time, right? But the the only team that really can cry poor, the Blue Jays, they spend yeah. a ridiculous amount of money. They may just make the postseason here. I, I think they I think they've got an excellent chance of being a wild card. And well, they their attendance is brutal because they can't play in front of their fans. I mean, like this is a team that has every right to cry poor, and and, and you know it's impressive what they've been able to do in these circumstances but yes yeah, so take them out of it there are five teams other than the blue jays that played in major league ballparks this year with worse attendance per game than the pittsburgh pirates uh the rays the rays are one and they are going to win their division that's
1: incredible isn't that amazing that that is amazing and here's the thing is i was i went to the stadium when i was down there everybody told me it was a it was a dump i actually didn't think it was too bad i mean they've done some to it but it's just in a bad spot and it just doesn't have it doesn't have the draw according to
0: baseball reference the tampa bay rays have have pulled to this date six hundred and seventy thousand and change in fans this year i can believe it and florida's been wide open like florida has been a wide open state this entire time Six hundred and seventy thousand fans an average of eighty nine hundred and thirty five and and they are lower than the Pirates this year. All right, we got one, two, three more. Find uh, me another the or- one. The Orioles. The Orioles, they come in right behind the Pirates with an average of ninety-seven ninety-seven. Seven hundred and twenty-four thousand nine eighty-four so far have been in their stadium. There are two more that are worse than the Pirates this year. One of them is a playoff team or a possible playoff team, still in the race. They're not in it right now, but they're in a race. Um it's amazing you have a you have a division champion, likely number one seed in the American League a team that's currently in the wild card in the American League, and then a team that's fighting for a wild card, I won't say which league, and all three of them did worse this year than the Pirates in attendance.
1: Well, The other team I was thinking of was maybe the Tigers.
0: No, no, the Tigers are actually a couple spots ahead of the Pirates. The Oakland Athletics. Oh, okay. Who come in third from the bottom, right in between the Rays and the Blue Jays. That's insane. And the Marlins are right at the bottom of the entire okay. thing. And it's funny to me again. Like Florida's been wide open, and you know I hear about it all the time. The Florida's so crazy. Florida's so reckless. Everybody just running around, and, and and nobody's going to baseball games though.
1: It's, yeah, that's well, Marlins. Yeah, I don't know if the Marlins did they ever even have good attendance even when their teams were,
0: yeah, were good. I, I don't know. I don't. That's amazing to me. The Pirates at this point, as we sit down and record, averaging ten thousand four hundred nineteen fans in the stadium per game and are at 781,389. That's according to Baseball Reference, who's keeping track of all of this. Um, And and I don't think they'll even crack a million. There's no way they're cracking a million now. I mean, they're only at 700. Yeah, they're not cracking a million. They're going to crack 800,000 maybe, and that's it. We've
1: got got six more games left at home.
0: Okay, so they need to to get about uh, 18,700 more fans in the next six games in there. If they keep with their average, they'll do it, but who knows?
1: Yeah, who knows? I mean, I, I'll be I, – I think it's that Friday night I'll be bringing at least – I think there's 12 of us. So we'll bring that number up a little bit.
0: There you bit. go. That's going to make a major impact. I mean, here's the thing. Think about it this way. Because of all the COVID restrictions and the fact that stadiums weren't full at the beginning of the year, and pretty much I think there was only like two places. I think Texas was the only one that opened on opening day at 100% yeah. capacity. Uh, the Dodgers lead the major league in attendance with uh, 2.5 million. Normally that'd be like four million attendance for the year at least.
1: Yeah, but it's it, but it's just kind of crazy when you're talking about like I, I should have gotten Oakland because Oakland just gets just gets railed with poor attendance and their team's been competitive for years here now. But the Coliseum, like it's just a just an absolutely terrible place to play, and we have like one of the most beautiful ballparks, but don't really have that great of a team. So I mean, it's just it's yeah. Especially around this time of year, Chris, like the, the attendance, uh, it, it just it just doesn't look good. Uh, I know there was a thing going around Twitter last week where one of the one of the people took a one of the media members took a pot shot at like the fans not showing up for Roberto Clemente Day or whatever. It, to me, like it, it's the rainy days of September. Steeler football is back in. School's back in. Not too many people are going to Pirate Games. If they were competitive, they would, but nobody's really going at this point in time other than me. Here's another
0: interesting stat for you. I want to see how you can do on this one, okay? Well, Let's have some fun today on the show. All right. Um, There are only 12 teams in which their manager has a better than 500 success rate in managerial challenges this year, and Derek Shelton's one of them. Oh, really? Yes, the Pirates actually have won more challenges this year, 15 challenges in all. They have eight successful challenges for a 53% success rate. So Shelton, uh, Shelton and the Pirates come in at 11th right now in terms of their success rate for challenges. Can you give me the name of the manager you think has won more challenges, by, has the greatest success rate? And he okay. has not challenged best very percentage. much. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you this thing. 77% success rate. He's only made nine challenges all year long. There's only one other manager that's done less challenges. It's Craig Council of the Brewers who did five, who did seven challenges and was right five times. But the the one with the best rate, seven out of nine. I'll give you one guess. And I'm going to give you a hint that I'll probably give it away.
1: Is it, is it Tony La Russa? It is
0: Tony La Russa. <laughs> Tony Larissa, the, the old man Tony who never had challenges, who has been, who is like, he made national news multiple times for not even understanding some of the new rules because he was out of baseball for 10 years. They must not have explained to him how challenges work. He's only used nine this year. His team, <laughs> his team this week is going to clinch a division. And he's only used nine challenges. He's right seven times, which means Tony probably isn't even listening to somebody in the dugout who's probably like, hey, Tony, they think we should challenge. Because he can't hear them, right? His, ear, his hearing aid's down. He doesn't know what the heck's going
1: on. He's, he's not right. paying attention to so it. So what,
0: what Tony instead is doing is Tony's challenging plays where he's looking at them with his blind eye and he's going, no, nah, that guy's safe. Like that's Those are the only challenges Tony's doing are the ones where he can see with his naked eye from the dugout that the umpire was wrong, which is probably why he's seven out of nine.
1: No, that's, that's absolutely hysterical, but <laughs> I mean, people, people for knocking Derek Shelton, I can't remember. I, I, we probably should give a kudos to whoever their, uh, their video guy is. Cause they, on the broadcast, they always say, Oh, he got the challenge for them. So I don't know if Derek Shelton is, is listening to some, you know, somebody in his ear or something, but uh, he's at least, you know, saying, you know, that's probably pretty close. I'm going to trust this guy. We'll go with it, because I, I, I'm surprised that the Pirates have actually won that many challenges.
0: Yeah, that's what it is right now. Derek Sheldon, I think, I mean, what do you think overall? As you look at his season, knowing that he had really no chance of winning anything, and his job is just to make sure that the guys that are out there get the best chance to try to develop, because in reality, he's a teaching manager right now, not a winning manager, not a guy who's going out trying to win a title, but a guy who's trying to deal with all these young guys and figure out who's good, who's bad, and And give them an opportunity to either unlock something or for the organization to figure out that that guy isn't worth it so they can move on. What do you think he's done this year? How do you feel about him?
1: Um, I've talked about this with a lot of people, chris and and I think a lot of it at this point in time comes down to for me is is Derek Shelton the motivating manager it's It's the guy who can get the best out of his players or get his players, you know, to really play for him, you know, over. These last few weeks, we've won like, you know, four straight series. I mean, we didn't sweep them, so that's all really anybody, you know, noticed. Or Chris Stratton had a, a blown save, and then Chad Cool had a blown save. So, you know, did Derek Shelton make the the right choices with, with the bullpen and stuff like that? But for me, uh, he's gotten some of these guys playing pretty well uh, since Eckstein's been gone. Some of the players who were struggling at times, you know, under his tutelage uh, have been up in the majors here before, went back down to the minors. Some of those guys are starting to come on. Um, Derek Shelton's a former hitting coach himself. So for me, I mean, I I honestly think you still have to give Shelton an incomplete. And I know that's like kind of like a cheating or a a cheap out of the way answer. But for me, I I think that until he has a competitive team where a game means something and he's not trying to get guys in there just to see, you know, how they'll deal with a situation as a reliever and putting them all in like, you know, you're going to come in in a high leverage spot and you're going to come in here and we need to see how you face this part of the lineup. I mean, until he has to like actually decide between a couple guys to 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 get a shot at the the playoffs or even just to get a shot at a winning record. Like I can't, I can't fault for those decisions, and for the most part, I mean the the people that have struggled the most this year or have been our pitchers. Um, I don't know if that has anything to do with you know the the year last year of having so much time off, uh, but the hitters are definitely starting to come on, and it, it seems like these guys really like to play for him. And and we've talked about this, Chris. Even when he was hired, uh, we talked about how he is the type of manager that has to just kind of get through this part of the rebuild. He may not even be the manager when this team is actually competitive, but there's certain guys that he has that type of personality that can kind of get them through the rebuild and not damage players is kind of where I would put him. And, and I see him as doing that. I think that, you know, some of the guys, yeah, they could have had better years um, but it's not like anybody has like gone into the tank and completely disappeared and given up. And Chris, just to just to completely end the show, I, I, I want to do a little bit of a quiz here. Who do you think has a higher WRC plus in September? Cabrian Hayes or Cole Tucker? <laughs> I'm gonna say Cabrian Hayes? Nope. No? Cole Tucker's WRC plus is an eighty-five. Cabrian Hayes, for all the praise he's been getting for, you know, batting leadoff and getting hits, WRC plus of 81. That
0: is a weighted runs created. But, uh, you know, and here's the thing, though. Um, uh, Cole Tucker is not a Major League Baseball player, and Cabrian Hayes is. And there's a big difference between the two of them, unless Cole Tucker proves otherwise.
1: He's 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 up over 200 now. No. Does he get to punch me? Is he?
0: Yeah, was that the thing where you said if he ever hit 200, he could punch her? Was it? No, I said 300. 300. Then
1: you asked me if he could get up over 200, and I said no. And I think he is
0: now. I was trying to get you punched, so but 300. All right, well, whatever. Don't worry, you're never going to get punched by Cole Tucker unless he breaks the rules and just punches you for picking on him, because he's he's (laughs) not—he's not a major league baseball player. It just—I—I, you know what? You know what's so funny is that like when you look at the Pirates and you look at their national coverage, how many times did that guy pop up on MLB Network over the last year and a half? Oh my god. They man. loved it's, him because of his flowing hair and whoever he was dating, but he's not a ball player.
1: Like he's, yeah, he's, he's, he's he's having his best month ever in his career batting 265 and still does not have an above average or even close to average WRC. <laughs> well, his hair his hair's pretty. He's got that yeah. going for him. I see the changes in this town They change, they say One thing within the next day